Spirit. We're going to have a reading from the Bible. So if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to Luke 19. And we're kicking off at verse 28. And it's Palm Sunday. So we're looking at Palm Sunday. So yeah, Luke 19. I hope you've got a Bible. Verse 28. And it says this. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethphage and Bethany at a hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there. A colt is like a small donkey. Um, You will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it, just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, his owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he said, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you on either side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. Well, I'm very excited that we have our first Preach It speaker. Noah is going to be speaking today. Noah is one of our LDYs here at St. Nick's this year. He's engaged to Abby. He studied geography at Bristol. And we're very excited that he's coming to talk. So welcome, Noah. Hello, good evening church. It is, I'm, it's so great to get to share with you this evening. Honestly, what an honour. Um, if we've not met before, I'm Noah. I'm a son of God. I'm engaged to Abby. Um, yeah, we're, we're very blessed to hear from her as well this evening. Um, and I'm one of the five strong crew on the leadership development year this year at St. Nick's. Um, yeah, and having graduated over last summer as a student in Bristol this year, I'm involved um, in helping Hattie to lead our student ministry here in St. Nick's um, and helping them invest in their Christian faith during their years of study here. Um, But this evening, I'm focusing on that first section of the passage, and that's uh, in Luke 19, verses 28 to 35. And that's where Jesus enlists the help of the unridden colt to transport him into Jerusalem for Palm Sunday. And I've titled my message, The Lord Needs It. Um, And if it's okay, I'd love to share a bit of my journey um, leading into this year with all of you guys. 
You see, it wasn't a linear and straightforward decision to invest this year into my discipleship and my development at St. Nick's. Um, as Sarah said, I studied geography here in Brazil. Um, and about this time a year ago, I was coming into that final painful stretch of my final year. Um, and I was in also, like so many, in the throes of the stresses and the strains of what to do next. And so this time last year, I was pursuing the flashiest of options, um, which mainly fell into two categories. There were graduate schemes, the kind where you wear your suit to the Zoom meeting, um, and then also <laughs> the postgraduate courses, exciting ones, um, because I quite like the idea of being Dr. Boucher. Um, but during all of this, I specifically remember Toby, who's our vicar, um, stood right outside that door over there, and he asked me um, what my plans were for next year. Had I considered doing the leadership development year at St. Nick's. And I remember trying to gracefully and gratefully tell Toby that while I appreciated him thinking of me, I actually had a lot of different options lined up. And the LDY sounded great, but I didn't think it was for me. Um, but in the weeks and the months that followed that conversation, one by one, these other options, they just didn't pan out how I thought they would. Some of my applications were rejected. Some of the other options just didn't make me as enthused as I really thought that they would. Um, and the more that I really prayed and took time to pray into the direction of my next year, the clearer it became that the Lord needed it from me. Just like Jesus said, the Lord needed the cult. The Lord needed me to do the LDY. You see, if I was one of the disciples in this story, I'd have been asking Jesus why he was after a little cult. Like, Jesus, mate, don't you want like a flashy chariot or something? At least a slightly bigger horse? Um, you're the son of God. You're royalty. Like, back yourself. Um, but I know that my... Um, that is where, in this point of the story, I realise I have a lot to learn from Jesus. I know my humanity is flawed and sometimes I will chase after the flashier things in life when God really has much better plans for me elsewhere. You see, Jesus didn't make a lucky guess that there'd be a cult just a little bit further down the way. It was written in Zechariah in the Old Testament that the king of Zion was to come on a cult, the foal of a donkey. The God who is outside of time had a perfect plan for his son. And this is one of so many ways in which the Old Testament promises are fulfilled throughout the New Testament. And God has a plan for each and every one of us. Today on Palm Sunday, we come towards the end of Lent and into the incredible weight and power that comes with Easter. We celebrate the truest form of sacrificial love from a God who lived to teach and serve and yet suffered and gave his life for us. I want to encourage you to reflect today on how you can look at your life and sense that the Lord needs it. Maybe it's your attention daily. Your calendar is so full. You barely have any time to spend in the presence of Jesus. Maybe it's skills you're being called to apply in new contexts to serve others uh, and your community. Or maybe it's just the way you treat those around you and how you share Jesus' love to them in the simplest way every single day. God has amazing plans for your life, but we have the choice, the honour of asking the Lord to use our lives for his glory. So this evening, let's be like Jesus and declare that the Lord needs it from us. I'm going to round us off in a prayer. 
Jesus, as we reflect on the cult that the Lord needed, we thank you for your work in our lives. And Lord, we ask you to help us identify what you need of us to live out your plans for our lives. Would we be faithful stewards for you, seeking after your heart and being able to discern how, you, how we are each called to live out in your glory. And we pray this in King Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much, Noah. Great job. We, our next speaker is Abby. Abby. Abby is also on our leadership development year. She trained as a nanny at Norland College and she's been at St. Nick's for two and a half years. And we're so thankful for her. Abby, come on out. Well, hi everyone. Um, as Andy said, I'm Abby, um, and I'm going to be sharing on the next part of the passage, which is Luke 19, 36 to 38. So in this part of our passage, we see Jesus on his way into Jerusalem, receiving that red carpet welcome from the crowds. So in those times, spreading your cloak under the feet of the king was the ultimate sign of willingness and submission. We see it in two kings when, Jesus, when Jehu sorry, comes into Israel. People spreading their cloaks down, their most prized possessions to show their deepest respect to the king. So the cloak, a prized possession. But what could a cloak also signify? Well, it could signify secrets, darkness, maybe invisibility like in Harry Potter, or something you might use to cover up and conceal yourself or your identity. And this really reminds me of when I came to faith back in um, autumn 2019 on Alpha. When I was on Alpha, I really enjoyed each week learning about the love that Jesus had for me. It was amazing. But I always had this thought that, yes, Jesus could love me now, but he couldn't love me like back when I was making all the bad decisions and doing all the wrong things. He could love me now, of course. I got that. But not then. And I had all these feelings of shame and disgust, and I just wanted to, to cover them up and hide myself from Jesus by wearing this, this cloak. But it was on the Alpha weekend that my host, who um, is now a wonderful friend and is going to be one of our bridesmaids, um, asked to pray for me. And I'll be honest, um, when I was previously receiving prayer during Alpha, I'd sort of screw my eyes shut um, and just will the prayer to be over. And as soon as I said amen, I'd open my eyes. Um, but specifically that day, uh, my host called me out on that and she asked me to wait on the Lord. And I didn't really have any idea what she meant by that, but I remember this conversation we had about laying it all down at Jesus' feet. So I gave it a go. I took off my cloak and I laid it down at Jesus' feet. And when I did that, I poured out everything I'd ever done wrong, all my feelings of shame and embarrassment and everything that hurt me and brought me pain. And when I laid down my cloak at Jesus' feet, I was able to feel the love that he gives us and his freedom. And that liberation led me to worship. Now, sometimes I still feel those feelings. Sometimes the enemy gets in and I retreat and I return to putting on my cloak and, and wanting to hide myself from Jesus, just like Adam and Eve do in the Garden of Eden when they hide from God and cover up their nakedness. And maybe there's times that you feel like this, or maybe it's something you're still struggling with. But this passage shows us that what we need to do is bear it all and lay it down at Jesus' feet and worship him. So my challenge for you tonight is to identify your cloak 
What stops you from worshipping Jesus? Maybe like the Israelites, it's a prized possession. Or maybe it's time or money or a relationship. Or maybe like me, it's something you use to cover yourself up and hide from the Lord when you feel guilt or shame. But tonight, identify your cloak and take it off. Take it off and don't put it back in your wardrobe for another season or carry it around in your bag just in case you might want it. Take it off, lay it down, lay it at the feet of the king and worship him. And as verse 38 says, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Let me pray. Lord, thank you that because of your love, we can be free from our pasts and are made new. Thank you that because of you, we don't have to feel shame, embarrassment, guilt or pain. And thank you that the promise of Easter where your resurrection is testament to new life in you brings us so much hope. Lord, help us to identify the areas in our lives where we want to hide and help us to lay them down at your feet. Lord, we love you and we live to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, wasn't that good? Well done, Abby. So good. There's another one. We've got one more and I'm thrilled that Joe is going to come and speak to us next. Come on up, Joe. Joe has been part of St. Nick since September. He's married to Lexi. They're expecting a baby this summer and he's a great DJ. What more could you want? So let's welcome Joe. Well, uh, firstly, thank you so much to Noah and Abby. Can we make some noise for them one more time? That is just amazing. Uh, now, I'll be covering the last bit of the passage today. Uh, but when I, when I think about one of my, my favorite parts about the New Testament, uh, it's actually when Jesus replies to something. I get really excited when I see that Jesus is about to reply to something. It's kind of like that moment in a TV show or a movie when you know that it's about to go down. You know what I mean? So uh, whenever I read in the Bible that, that Jesus simply replies, it sets me up to be really excited about what Jesus is going to reply with. It's so in line with the kind of leader that Jesus is because he always replies with humility and truth, but everything that he says is always coming from a place of love. So when the Pharisees look at Jesus and, and they tell him to quiet his disciples, whoo, you better look out. Of course, because at that point, Jesus then replies with, in my opinion, one of the hottest comebacks in the entire New Testament. He says, I tell you, if these were silent, talking about his disciples, the very stones would cry out. Stones, an inanimate object crying out and praising. That's crazy. It's an insane statement because of how much power that that holds. Can you imagine just walking along and all of a sudden uh, a stone just starts, <laughs> just starts singing and crying out and praising? As, as Christians, we believe that God created everything. The story from the very beginning of the Bible tells us that, you know, in the beginning, God created, right? Now, rocks are part of that creation, and yet they have no natural way of, of showing appreciation for being created. We, all of us, are also part of that creation. 
And we as animated, unique, and beautiful creatures, we, we definitely have a way of showing that appreciation for being alive, right? But why? Because in that same story of creation, God makes us, he creates us different to, he, to the way that he created everything else. And that means that if you look to the left or right of you right now, you are looking at someone that has been made in the image of God. He made us in his image. I want you to look to the person to the left or right of you right now and go, you were made in the image of God. There we go. I want you to look to the person to the left or right of you and go, you look good today. <laughs> wow, that's going a lot. That's, that's, I love that. Keep going. There you go. Uh, but let's hold that truth. Let's hold that truth right there. We, all of us, we bear, we hold, we embody the image of our creator. We bear the image of God. And as image bearers of God, we are made for a particular purpose on this earth. And what is that purpose? It's to make Jesus known and to worship him with all that we are. I want you to look to the person to the left or right of you and say, you've got a purpose. There you go. <laughs> now, there's, uh, there's this show. It's arguably my favorite TV show of all time, and it's called Ted Lasso. Anyone seen Ted Lasso? A few of us, yep. Uh, it's about this American football coach. I kind of identify with that. Uh, but it's about this American football coach who comes over to the UK to coach a Premier League football team. And I would imagine that if you were a football fan, that would make you a little bit nervous if that was your team, right? Uh, but Ted, in all of his failings as a coach due to a, a lack of knowledge of the sport, in all of his shortcomings as a leader because he's incredibly out of his context, he continues to coach and he continues to lead. Why? Because, and, and you, you would see this throughout the show, Ted is doing what he's made to do. He's doing what he's created to do. He's made to lead. He's made to coach. He's made to inspire and encourage and listen and be personable. It makes me want to be like Ted because Ted is so sure of his calling in life. He's so sure of his purpose and what he's made to do. Ted doesn't listen to people when they say, Ted, you got to stop coaching. Ted, you got to stop this. It's ridiculous because Ted knows exactly what he's been created to do on this earth. And this, this is why Jesus doesn't rebuke what the disciples do when the, when the Pharisees tell him to do that. Because when his disciples are praising when his disciples are rejoicing, they're doing exactly what they were made to do. They were doing exactly what their purpose in life is. So what does it look like to do that every day? What does it look like for us to worship and praise and rejoice every single day? I think that the answer may be simpler than what we make it out to be. Because worship is not just singing. While, while sung worship is a familiar choice for a lot of us, worship is our way of acknowledging that we've been fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And so it doesn't always have to look like singing, does it? It can actually look like being kind to your neighbors, being loving to your neighbors, even when it's really tough to do so. It can look like standing up for those who have been cast out by society, who have been pushed aside into the margins. It can look like being that one coworker, that one colleague, that one classmate, that one housemate who treats everyone with dignity and respect and kindness. By doing these things, we are doing what we've been created to do, just like the disciples rejoicing. Because as wonderfully created beings, we have much to be thankful for. As we approach Easter Sunday, let us remember what we've been created to do, to proclaim, to live out, and to sing out the name of Jesus in everything we do. As we end this evening, as we continue to worship, I want us to do the exact opposite of what the Pharisees told Jesus to tell his disciples. Let's not let stones worship on our behalf. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you and we worship you with our words, with our songs, and with our lives. Amen.